Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. Back we are again with uh, Pastor Michael Teddy, Ashuk Manakumar. I'm getting close, right? I'm, get, I'm getting there, right? Manakumar. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's Mohanagumar, but sure. <laughs> I'm getting Pastor Michael. Come on, that ain't too bad, right? But listen, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. If you want to uh, email me, um, and we'll get the the two brothers' email in a bit. But I'm chopping at the bit. I don't want to even have a long um, um, introduction here because I want to get Pastor Michael uh, on because we were speaking about we spoke we spoke about teachers having stricter judgment continuing in the epistle of of James and um Ashuk made a great point on the last segment about if there's a family issue you need to get that straightened out and then maybe be obviously be brought back in all honesty and that, that's good Ashuk says well I don't know about if a man is um taken out of the pulpit for some more serious reasons, adultery or whatever it might be, can a man be put back behind the pulpit after a period of time? And that ball, which is a loaded ball, I'm going to pass over to Pastor Michael. And my question basically is, Pastor Michael, if somebody has, as a pastor, a teaching elder, committed a, let's just say a sin of adultery or maybe skimming money from the church. I don't know, something that would be pretty severe. How's that? Do you think, uh, Pastor Michael, that that person could ever be brought back behind the pulpit as a teaching elder? The simple answer that I think that I would give is yes, it is possible. If we're talking about possibility. Um, I feel so, um, but, and, and the reason I feel so is because when I look at the life of the apostles, whom Jesus chose to be with him, and what they ended up doing, and how they ended up failing him, and yet, how Jesus ended up picking, you know, when uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, um, mm -hmm. I don't know uh, where I read this or which preacher said this, but at that point, I think we spoke about it also. At that point, you couldn't tell Peter and Judas apart very much because mm. they were both really messing up. And Sinclair well, Ferguson mentions that, yeah. Right. And, and so at that point, when you are standing at the day of Pentecost, the last person that we would want or expect to stand up and declare anything is Peter. John's a better candidate because Jesus was on the cross and handed the responsibility of his mother to John. John was there at the cross and John was blessed at the cross. So clearly 
in in uh, if i were to simplify it it would seem to our contemporary minds as john is a better candidate but peter stood up and peter preached that sermon and all the 11 stood with him and so i think the importance here is to understand that i don't think the bible with all of these uh, principles is giving us a formula the bible is not trying to give us a foolproof formula that we apply in every circumstance god is giving us principles in scripture that the church must be wise to apply with clarity so we have to look at every situation so like you said you were talking about skimming money and it is a sin and it is a sin that needs to be dealt with but it matters to understand why was he skimming money it it we need to go into the depths of it and every circumstance might have different uh, situations when judas betrayed jesus he did it with a heart with a sinfulness that carried him to the grave that carried him to death when peter denied jesus it was still sin it it still needed to be called out it still needed to be accounted for but it led him to repentance and so i think uh, we can have pastors who sin seriously they must be held accountable and dealt with seriously and like ashok was saying those dealings might mean and you know with a pastor i think it is always a breach of trust when a pastor is caught in that kind of a sin he betrays the trust of his people regaining their trust is not easily won it takes time and the church has to be confident at any point in time if they are willing to let this man come back into office um so i agree with ashok that for serious sins i can see many years pass by before a man comes back into that office uh, i can see that as being a practical reality but theologically i see no reason to look at a genuinely repentant confessed transformed person who for years after being caught in sin has proven by character virtue and discipline that he has overcome i see no reason to not consider uh, the gifting god has given to him and think about what uh, the lord might do for him now that may vary so i'm just giving you the simple answer yes but we could look at one man who's caught in that sin and actually look at his life and determine that uh, i don't we don't believe it's wise that he comes back into ministry but i think that local church with the best of their conscience has to determine that decision i don't think we can give them a textbook answer to such a question yeah and i think i think um i think it is a it would probably be the the last say would be where the elders would bring it to the to the congregation um and you know obviously obviously i think there should be a a huge time frame you know what i have found over the years seeing this a lot of times the man caught in that sin for some reason they don't they don't want to come back 
and, and I'm not saying that pejoratively. It's not that they want to be part of the either congregation or maybe go to another church or whatever. But sometimes they, they don't want to come back. They feel like they might have defiled the office um, of the pastorate. But yeah, those are, I think those are uh, uh, under the, the stricter judgment thing. I think those are good discussions. We got about uh, 20 minutes. So I'd like to at least start uh, on the tongue. And I appreciate you guys answering those. Those are tough questions, but that's what Street Talk Theology is about. Um, so I'm going to read from Pastor Michael. How far you want me to go down? I'll start in verse two. I'm reading from the uh, Legacy Standard Bible. Want me to go all the way to 12 or you have a stopping point for me there? Uh, I think I, I think we can read the whole till 12 and then maybe discuss uh, a kind of an overview of it so people understand just how it's laid up. And before we get in, and maybe next week we'll get into the exegesis, right? We'll kind of give an overview. Right. Is that good? Ashuk, is yeah. that okay with you? We'll do that? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yes, yes. Uh, um, let me start from the first verse. Do not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. We dealt with that uh, for a few weeks now. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle uh, the entire body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot wills. So also, is the small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our existence and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. There's a fountain pour forth from the same opening, fresh and bitter water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or a vine produce figs? nor can salt water produce fresh water. Okay, Pastor Michael, give me an overview of that, and I'll go to Ashuk. A lot of stuff there, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very interesting for me that um, with all the conversations we've had about not all of you should be teachers, and uh, because teachers will be held to a greater strictness, a judgment of greater strictness, immediately the, the language is all about the tongue all the warnings that follow are about the tongue. So there's something here about warning that the Bible gives us that preachers are held to a greater judgment and watch out for the tongue. So the correlation here specifically, I know we talked about all sorts of ways that a leader can be held under judgment, but here specifically, James is pointing us to the sin of the tongue. And for me, it's very interesting because he begins from verse 2 and spends 
time up to verse 5 talking about the power of the tongue the nature of the tongue the uh, the strength of the tongue what the tongue can do and then he just goes on about just what that power can how much evil that power can bring upon uh, the way uh, based on the way a person uses his tongue so he talks about lighting a forest on fire he talks about uh, staining the whole body he talks about uh, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are all can all be tamed but the tongue cannot be tamed so he seems to be speaking extremely negative about the tongue or the use the negative use of the tongue occasionally mentioning that it's with the same tongue that we bless the lord our father or uh, it is with the same mouth that we bring blessings and and closes it from verses 10 to 12 by saying that how can both fruits the fruit of blessing and the fruit of cursing come from the same tree the same tongue so i think uh, he gives us a, a a description of the power of the tongue and then he goes on to give us the collateral damage of the misuse of the tongue mm. or the evil of the misuse of the tongue and then he talks about how the tongue is supposed to be the tool of blessing in the in the in the mouth of the teacher who is a christian a christian teacher and he's basically i think at that point talking about those who want to be teachers from whose mouth come both blessings and cursing which ought not to be and uh, I, i that is the distinction i believe that he's making that's the overview i see when i look at it uh, and so it's a warning for teachers to recognize the power of the tongue and understand that they cannot uh, use the tongue for both evil and for good and so ashuk if if we're hearing my uh, pastor michael right So you're saying and I think it's a great point. I I I like the way you laid that out. So you're saying that this thing here that we just read is still pertaining to the teachers. Um and I think that's I think that's good exegesis. I think I because I don't see uh James just spending that one verse. So he's kind of expounding Very well said Pastor Michael Ashuk um uh, please add to that I because I see Ashuk amen and by shaking his head but but I I think that's a great point Pastor Michael and and uh, I appreciate that Ashuk please yeah it's it's addressing the uh, preachers but the principle is applicable to everyone yeah without uh, a doubt yeah yeah so all these things are true of anybody who wields the tongue in such a way and uh, and it's also it's a interesting way in which the apostles write you know the new testament writers don't write like our systematic theologians they don't necessarily separate out the confession with the truth of the confession they don't uh, separate out the act of baptism uh, from the truth of baptism or the spiritual reality of baptism uh, it goes very much uh, hand in hand so here you know james speaks in terms of how whatever comes out of the tongue very much represents what is in the heart uh, at the same time how wielding it has a direct implication on wielding the heart and all that 
But yeah, everything that Mike said. Yeah, I think it's good. And I think some of the, I think the the illustrations that are used there are, are, are worth talking about because sometimes we don't, we're not in that context, Pastor Michael. So, you know, you look at the uh, the uh, the illustrations like birds and beasts and reptiles and, and things of that nature. And and again, you know, if we're if we're um, uh, preaching or teaching this text, um, so now this is more a little exegesis, exegetical question, Pastor Michael. Now, obviously, if we go behind the pulpit and talk about a reptile and stuff, maybe our audience would not kind of really get that. These are common illustrations. I mean, he uses a ship. I mean, that would be something that we can definitely relate to, the, a small rudder or something like that. So as a teacher of the Bible, if you see, obviously, your exegesis is something like um, reptiles and things like that, is it okay hermeneutically to use maybe things in our vernacular or our context to make the same point without getting away from the solid exegesis. Is that a fair question, Pastor Michael? Yeah, uh, it is. Um, so uh, so I am someone who believes that uh, making contemporary illustrations that communicate to the people what the text is trying to say is the job of the preacher. Amen. Um, for the sake of exegesis, um, you know, there are ministers who are extremely skilled in not leaving that text with their vocabulary and the way they would depict things to be able to carry the people through it. But you can really have an audience that does not get half the illustrations that's probably given within the text. And I, I think it is the uh, moral responsibility of the teacher to ensure that the students understand what is being said, which is what, uh, and I think the Lord gives us the freedom to do so. But having said that, I think we have to be very sound theologians when we make and pull illustrations of our own, because it's very easy for us uh, to stretch illustrations and to pull it in directions that the text does not intend for us to go. So I think my default principle would be if I can use the existing illustrations in the text to work, I want to labor there as much as I can, but I am free that if I feel a more contemporary illustration will help my audience understand what the text is trying to say to make this. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, and you look at like, say the five, this, now this is, you know, what street talk theology is, especially with, with, with teaching, you talk about uh, the fire, uh, you know, how a fire could uh, rage out of control, right? Ashuk, you know, a fire rages out of control. It's, it's kind of a good illustration. The tongue, we know gossip spreads like wildfire, right? I mean, you start gossiping, you start speaking. And I think that's something we can use, Pastor Michael and, and Ashuk, right? So I'm thinking about, you know, the spreading of fire was frequently used to convey a warning about unrestrained passions. So Ashuk, this is important in, in stressing our point, but I think in explaining this, because when you see the fire there, the job of the, the, the teaching elder is to say, how does this fire, how does a fire, you know, um, 
have to do with with the tongue. But we know a fire, when it gets out of control, can be very damaging. Um, fair point, Ashuk? Fair point, fair point. <laughs> what I was trying to say is, I, I think here, that's why James will go into this double-mindedness, right, Ashuk? This is kind of, you know, uh, getting back to the stricter judgment with the, the preacher and things like this. But we have to be careful of being double-minded, even in our own life, as you make. I know Pastor Michael said this could definitely be for pastors, and I agree. But it could definitely be for people who are double-minded, right or wrong, Ashuk? Yes, this, this is definitely, uh, like I said uh, earlier, he does not... James does not make that differentiation between what comes out of the mouth versus what is in the heart. One could possibly ask the question, why is that activity related to the heart or why is it, you know, one is a feeling versus one is an action, right? And uh, James seems to be very much at comfort in uh, linking both of those. And uh, he, in a sense, he's trying to say, I, I believe that um, if something is in your heart, it would come out as actions, right? If there is what your heart, heart is made of, that would reflect in actions. And uh, so, yeah, hence the warning about the hypocrisy uh, and uh, all of that, the double-mindedness. No, 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 that's a great point, because I think I think your point is made in... in uh, maybe Pastor Michael can expound a little bit here. I think your point is uh, made, Ashuk, when it says out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, right? Yeah, Pastor yeah, Michael, yeah. like, uh, so this is a double-mindedness here, right? I mean, you want to you wanna praise and then you want to curse. And, and, and obviously, James is saying, you know, that should not be. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be let's be critical first at the people of God. You see a lot of this in churches, right? Right, Pastor Michael? Absolutely. I think also to one of the things to notice that although the principle does apply to all the people, there is a sense in which it is stricter for the teacher. So I think specifically what James is trying to tell us is that you can have a normal church member who misuses his tongue and the consequences will not be as severe as if the teacher misuses his tongue. Because the power of his teaching is in the tongue, is in how he wields the tongue. And it can be the most untamable thing in the body. And so the point being that for a teacher, it is not all of you should be teachers because not all of you have learned to bridle your tongues. Not all of you have learned how to use your tongue properly. But for teachers, they ought to understand they cannot misuse the tongue because if they misuse the tongue, they will be held accountable for it with a stricter judgment. Well said. Okay, we're out of time. Uh, this is a great topic, and, and we will continue this next time. But I, I really, um, man, it's so good to have the whole family here. And we are a family. Um, it's just so good to have the whole family. Ashuk back, clear as a bell. 
um, with his uh, with his exegesis and Pastor Michael. Well, anyway, we're going to continue in the book of James next time. Uh, we'll can, we'll start off with the tongue, continue with the tongue. Uh, but this is um, Street Talk Theology. My name is Pastor Dominic Romaldi, speaking for Pastor Michael Teddy and uh, my brother Ashuk. I'll save the last name for later. I'm going to get that down one of these days perfectly. <laughs> um, but anyway, Street Talk Theology, we take theology and we bring it to the streets in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.